Hello and welcome to Men Are Nots. M-A-N. It started with man and then it went to men. So Men Are Nots, a podcast to help men and even women, young people out there to do with mental health, emotional health, awareness. And we have a very special guest for you. Introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Shona Hirons. Hello, Shona. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Um, I'm good and, you know, I'm rearing to go with this um, episode and, and to hear your stories. And I'm sure the listeners out there will, you know, are kind of glad to hear and looking forward to listening to you and, and, and your background and your story. Whereabouts are you, Shona? Um, I'm in Portishead, just outside Bristol in the UK. Oh, so Bristol, Bristol. Um, and how's how's Bristol? Is it, you know, what's the city like? Is that where you were born or is that where you're residing now? No, I'm from, I'm from South Wales originally um, and I moved over here 23 years ago. Um, settled in Portishead in 2006 and just love it. It's beautiful. We're on the coast, got a nice marina, cafes, um, just it's just it's nice because it's far away outside of the hustle and bustle of the city centre, but close enough to get to as well. Yeah, yeah. So and there's a lot of is it? Do you say there's a lot of countryside and? Yeah, there's countryside. We've got lakes. We've, we're right on the coast as well, so it's pretty much got everything that you need here. So, you, so you're able to get out and about. So in Wales, yeah. Um, you know, um, what's I've been to Wales a few times and. Tell me about Wales and, and, you know, kind of what your thoughts are, are on Wales and, you know, because I remember the hills, I remember driving in to see these massive hills on in, in, in the valleys, as they call it, in Wales. Yeah, well, I can still see Wales from my house because it's literally just across the water. Um, so I can still wave over to my family. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I went to university in Cardiff and I met my, my first husband, actually, from um, while, while we were in uni. And he was from Bristol. Um, and I, I ended up moving over to, to Bristol, well, in my very early 20s, just after university. Um, and when my first marriage broke down, I, I stayed here and I had a good job and didn't want to leave that job and the rest is history i never went back but i still call wales home and you know even though i've i've lived in in on this side of the bridge for longer than i lived in wales i still call wales home yeah okay so this yes let's talk about um you what do you do what what do you do now what what's your what's your um your your job your business what's your role now so right now I'm a life and mindset coach and also an executive corporate trainer. Right, okay. And the name of your what's your name of your your company or business? So my 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 business is called Mindset in Motion. Right, thank you. Right, thank you. So let's let's talk about how you, you know, you know, we spoke uh, we spoke earlier and, and you you talked about with, uh, you know your life and you know in a sense um, how did you get to this point? And you know, if you could tell the listeners about some of the things you've gone through and what you feel about um, mental health and, and awareness. And... Yeah, sure. So I, I was actually a lawyer for 20 years um, before I decided to 
completely changed my career, my life. Um, so a, a slight change. Yeah. Um, but I think rolling back to 2012, 2013, um, and I had a young family at home and I was in that typical job where I was burnt out. I was working 80 hours a week wow. and I just wasn't taking my breaks. I was coming into work in the mornings earlier and earlier every day. Um, the, the company I worked for was very target driven, you know, big objectives, um, massive caseload. And I'd find myself working through my lunch breaks because it was it was a kind of culture at that time that you know if you if you got up to take your lunch break even if it was a 10 minute 15 minute walk you'd find the eyes following you around the office as if like how dare you go out and take a break um i mean that po possibly could have been my thoughts getting carried away with me but that was kind of the, the culture within our small department and I was the only female who worked in the team as well so I was the only one who had children to um, to go home to at the end of the day um, and it, yeah I found it quite difficult um, and I would find myself quite often not getting home until 11 half 11 at night and that was having a rippling effect on my family, on my health. I, mean, I wasn't seeing my daughter. I wasn't seeing my husband. Um, I've always looked after myself in, you know, as far as my, my um, exercise and my nutrition is concerned. But even that all went out the window because I just was tired. Um, the most exercise I would be getting was literally walking up the stairs to work um, and that was it I wasn't eating properly because my husband may have cooked tea earlier on in the evening but you know who wants to eat a, a big meal at 11 o'clock at night yeah. um, so I would maybe have a piece of toast or a bowl of cereal um, and I would even go sometimes a whole week without washing my own hair because I would just wouldn't have time. So good old dry shampoo would come out. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd have a shower, but just the idea of washing my hair, drying it at you know, midnight, waking up my daughter, I just thought, no, I'm, I've got to be up again at half five in the morning. I'm not going to have time. And that was the whole thing. I haven't got time. Where have I got time? Yeah. Um, and it got to a point where... Um, I, I I started to make mistakes at work and I'd been with this particular company for 14 years um, and I, I remember one day I had a, I had to send a, a client that I'd been working with an email and um, our systems weren't set up to be auto-generated on the email so I had to plot his email address in each time um, and I missed a digit out on his email address and the email went to the wrong person. And this particular client, if um, he would never answer phones from our work phones because they were always, they always came up from un, unknown numbers. So he'd say, oh, just, just send me an email, I'll call you back. So that's what I did. I just simply sent an email to him saying, hi, can you give me a call? Um, Anyway, because I'd missed a digit out on the email address, I got an email back from the wrong person saying, hi, if you're blonde, 25 and sexy as, I'll let you imagine what the last word was, um, 
please give me a call. Yeah. So at first I thought the uh, I thought it was quite funny, but then I realised oh I've breached data protection and the company take that quite seriously. So I told my my line manager, and he said oh don't worry about it. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. Only to find the next day I get a letter handed to me inviting me to a disciplinary hearing, um, suspending me on full pay. I wasn't allowed to open my computer, talk to anyone. Um, I also got uh, um, reported to my governing body, my professional body as well. So then I was being investigated by them for potential gross misconduct, all because I'd sent an email to the to the wrong person and there was nothing confidential attached to the email. Um, so I then had to go through this grueling process of waiting to find out if I was going to lose my career, which was extremely stressful. And that's when I started to have panic attacks. Um, and I'd never, ever had a panic attack before. And the first time it happened, you know, I can still remember it now. I, You know, my, my breathing just... I, well, I thought I was having a heart attack, basically. I remember getting this... this intense pain in in my chest um in the top of my left arm my breathing was just completely out of control um you know i was just like hyperventilating um i couldn't stand up I felt lightheaded thought i was going to be sick and i felt like feeling like i was in a swimming pool um, like, so I could hear noises yeah. and sounds, but it was almost like the sounds were when you're in a swimming pool and you can hear sounds, uh, you know, above you. And I just didn't know what was happening. And yeah. it went on for what felt like about five minutes, but it was probably about 30 seconds to a minute. Um, and then when I sort of came, when my breathing came back under control again, I just felt completely drained, completely exhausted. And, um, yeah, I just felt like I needed to lie down for hours. Um, and that was the first one. And I didn't tell anyone because I just, you know, when I when I felt okay again, I realised it, it wasn't anything serious. It clearly wasn't a heart attack or anything. Um, so I just, like, let it go and let it pass me. So then I got called in for this disciplinary hearing. Um, somebody external had investigated it, decided that... Uh, there was no case to answer. I hadn't done anything wrong, but it was left to my line manager to decide if any any further action was going to be taken. And my line manager just decided that I'd have to have a final written warning because I'd breached data protection. And I remember him saying to me that, you know, in this job, you have to remember that we're, um, we're not human, we're robots. Um, right, okay. And that line stuck with me for, for a very long time after. And I thought... Gosh, when you're under this sort of pressure, when you've got this many targets and, you know, and every day I was given new work to be taken on and, you know, and I just, yeah, I just thought, well, if everyone else can do it, why can't I do it? And I always felt like I wasn't good enough and just beat myself up all the time about it. You know, why can't I do it? What's wrong with me? And, um, you know, over a period of, a, of, of the next few months, all my responsibilities I picked up over the years I'd been there, I'd been there for 14 years, got taken away from me. Um, you know, I was in charge of mentoring and training all the um, trainees. All that got taken away from me. And I just sank to low bot- rock bottom. Yeah. You know, I felt like I was useless. Um, 
I stopped socialising, I stopped going out with my friends. Um, and then there's only so many times you can make up that you've got a headache. Yeah. And then they stop contacting you. Um, my around relationship this, with my, my... Yeah, around this time, sorry. Around this time, how how was your relationship at home? Were you, were you, were you, how was your husband dealing with, you know, or was he, or did he not know, or what, what was happening? So my husband as well, he had his own battles with mental health, so this was another problem. My husband was not long... He hadn't long come out of the, the services. He was in the Navy, yeah. um, and he was battling with PTSD himself, yeah. so he was in and out of counselling. He'd actually gone into rehab for a couple of weeks um, and had got us into a lot of financial difficulty as well. Yeah. So I'd always been his rock, and I'd always supported him, so I didn't want to burden him right. with any of the problems I was having, so I just didn't talk to him about how I was feeling because I thought that was really really selfish um, because I knew what he was going through with I mean it was only about a year or two earlier that he'd actually tried to take his own life Um, when he'd come out of the services he his first marriage had broken down Um, he thought he'd lost his kids and his his family, his kids, his wife, his ex-wife, sorry, had stayed in Cornwall, um, and she lived down near the Lizards in Cornrows, yeah. and he'd moved up to where we live now in Portishead. So in order for him to see his kids, he had a three and a half hour round trip, or three and a half hour each way trip yeah, yeah. every every other Friday to have to go and pick them up and then take them back again on the, on a Sunday. It was gruelling and it was just having this toll on him as well. So to then burden him with, you know, my issues, I just couldn't do that. So I didn't open up. I didn't talk to him about it. Um, and to be honest, I don't even think he really even noticed at that stage what I was going through. Yeah, yeah. And then because I started shutting my friends out as well and not going out and socialising with them, I just didn't have anyone to talk to um my own family live still over in wales so didn't talk to them either so very very quickly i felt very alone um and the panic attacks got worse and worse and then became daily and it got to a point after about six months of working under that pressure and i ended up collapsing um and getting blue light into hospital in an ambulance um, where my whole left side of my body just completely collapsed, um, and but yeah, that, I mean that they, everyone thought I was actually having a heart attack or a stroke, yeah. and it was the worst that I'd had. Um, you know, I couldn't breathe. Um, it, it was just horrible. It was really horrible. Um, and then I had all these different tests done in hospital, my blood gases, and. Everything serious was completely ruled out, but I couldn't leave the house for about three weeks. Um, I couldn't stop crying. I was a, I was just a complete mess, and it was quite clear that I'd had a breakdown. Yeah. Um, so at that point, you know, then, I'd heard about people who'd had breakdowns before, but yeah. Yeah. So at that point, then, when you didn't let your husband know, in a sense, obviously because of the reasons yeah. that you've given, at this point now, then, did. Was there, was there, did your husband start, start to sort of like find out now? Um, how did it, how yeah. did he actually come to, to pass where he then got involved in Fantas and, and how, and what was his reaction in terms of the whole, you know, what was happening? 
Yeah, well, he had private medical cover with his... Um, he was now working for a, um, a private company outside of the forces. And, you know, we got me seen by, by a couple of specialists. Um, and that was the first time that I started to, to open up and talk. And, you know, and he was he was actually there for me. And that's when I started to say, you know, that I, I felt like a burden and I didn't want to be a burden. Um, and he was really supportive. But at the same time, he still had yeah, his yeah. issues. And, yeah. and then if we if we hadn't, you know, if he had a bad day or if he had an argument, I'd find that he'd, he'd kind of throw it back in my face. And he didn't mean to. I know he didn't mean to. Yeah. Um, so it was like, well, how, what, you know, how do I help myself? What do I do to, to fix this? Um and I, I tried, I tried CBT. I tried different forms of therapy. Um, and if I'm, if I'm honest, nothing really helped. I mean, I remember seeing a CBT therapist, um, and I, I didn't really feel that she listened. I got the feeling that she had all the qualifications after her name, um, but she'd never really experienced any form of mental health herself yeah. um, and in one of her emails that she sent me she actually it was as if, it was as if she copied and pasted somebody else's um, notes to me um, because she'd actually referred to me as Brian throughout the whole email right, um, okay. so I didn't feel there was any you know any any sense of, of me and priority in her in her emails or in her when I was talking to her, she'd cut me off all the time in yeah. when I was talking. But it was actually um, I actually got start, start, started reading and, and listening to some mindfulness CDs and, and and reading some books. And it was when I started to do some meditation and mindfulness that it really started to slow me down and it started to clear the clutter out of my mind um and that is really what started to fix me and get me on the right path and I started to practice meditation and mindfulness every day yeah and and then I started to study it um and realized that wow this works for me this that was my therapy and you know and I never say that it's for everyone you know I I was one of those people who thought that it, it was a religious thing it was for you know it was a, a buddhist thing and actually it's not yeah. it is just about being aware and bringing yourself into the present moment yeah. um and I've never looked back and that is what really started to change my life around so you know I did I walked out of my my job that I had once loved for 14 yeah. years yeah. took a huge pay cut um I retrained as a fitness instructor um and took another job which was a, a huge pay cut less than the one I was doing but I was happier healthier yeah, and much that. more energized for I other people much more happier because Oh, totally. And and actually, my husband started to notice it. I I, I made I made new friends because um, I, the people where I was where I was teaching my classes, um, you know, they were kind of in the same. A lot of them were in the same place as, as me. So you know, a lot of people who came to my classes were coming because they were suffering from you know burnout, exhaustion, mental health issues, whatever, um, and. I related to them because I got it and some of them now are my best friends yeah. and I know that's now six seven years on yeah. um, and it's, it's, it's it completely changed me and you know and I and I guess 
the only mistake I made, so I mean, for, well, for three years, I couldn't even go back into the centre of Bristol. Mm-hmm. Every time I went back into the centre of Bristol, I would still have panic a panic attack. attack. So I knew I still had a long way to go. Um, I, I couldn't explain it for some reason. Every time I, I drove or, or somebody drove me near the centre of my old office where I used to work... That, those sweaty palms would come on. Um, I start hyperventilating. My heart rate would go up, and I just thought, right, I, I, I need to to do something about this. I need to, to you know, to to fix this. And I, I did. I didn't know what it was. I still couldn't put my finger on it. Um, and it, it took about three years. So I, I you know, I, I got myself qualified in mindfulness. Um, and also started to study NLP, so Neuro Linguistic Programming. Right. Um, and that was when I did things like timeline therapy um, and really started to learn how to let go and practice things like forgiveness, um, gratitude, being kind to myself. And once I started to have acceptance um, and learn those sorts of things and realise, actually, um, that nobody's perfect and we are human we're not robots that's when I started to heal um and, and I guess whether you call this a mistake or not I got headhunted for a quite a high profile job back in the city centre um in 2016 um and I and I accepted it I took it I didn't accept it straight away because I, I thought mm, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with it yeah. um but I did. I eventually I took the job, and for nine months it was great. And my way of dealing with my sort of anxiety of, of going into the city centre was I'd cycle to work. So yeah. it was about a, a ten mile cycle ride every day into the office. But we had showers in the office, so that was great. And I'd get my exercise done in the morning. I found that you know by owning my mornings, my way of owning my morning was cycling and getting refreshed before I'd go into work and stuff. So that was great. Um, and that worked really well until nine months into the job and almost it, almost exactly three years to the day, um, I had an almost fatal cycling accident where right. I came off my bike and broke nearly every bone in my face and fractured my skull and was left with a 20% chance of survival. Right. And I ended up having to have major facial reconstructive surgery. So I've now had, I've now got on, in the left-hand side of my face the whole of my left-hand side of my face has been completely rebuilt with metal, well, titanium plates and pins. Um, but I look at that as a positive thing now. I mean, to have a, a free facelift on the NHS in your mid-40s isn't so bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, I did survive it. And, yeah. and one of the things my consultant said to me was... You know, there's there's going to be certain things. If you do survive, you're never going to be able to do again. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to be left with pressure around your sinus area um, and on your brain. You, we had a skiing trip booked for eleven months' time. He told me to cancel it. There was no way I'd be able to ski. Um, however, I was determined that I was going to go, even if I couldn't fly. We'd find a way. We was in the south of France. Um, we did go, I did ski, and I even raced at the end of the first week, and it was brilliant. Um, 18 months after the accident, my problem, um, and this is another thing, a barrier and a goal that I had to get through was to get back on a bike, 
Um, I really struggled with getting back on a bike. So my goal was to do something really big, something that I never thought I'd be able to achieve again. And I did my first half Ironman competition. Um, and that involves 56 miles on a bike. Um, and I did it on the hottest day of the year when it was 33 degrees. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so and then you know, so for me now, it's about giving myself challenges, pushing myself through my comfort zone, and 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 doing small steps every day to actually, you know, to, to actually get there. Um, but you know, even after I tried going back to work about six months after my accident, um, only to find that you know, there is, there is this stigma around mental health. I mean, you know, I went back to work. Um, I had a lot of trauma still there from the accident. Um, I, I still don't have any memory of what happened in the accident or from two weeks before the accident, yeah. um, which is probably a good thing in a way. Yeah. Um, but I was left deaf in my left ear about a year just over a year after the accident and I had to have some more surgery which has helped with that um but I was constantly being asked things like you know when are you going to get better when are you going to be back to being the old Shona when are, when is your performance going to be as good as it was before and I just thought you know what I've had enough of this and just realized that I was in a career that made me deeply unhappy yeah um and I decided to continue with my NLP training, my mental health awareness training. I did suicide prevention training, mental health and sport training. Um, I, I, and I left, um, went away, helped set up a mental health foundation, offering people a safe place to come and just talk. Um, I became a mental health um, champion for Time to Change, um, set up my own business where I... I coach people now with um, with burnout and self care because I get it, yeah. and I transform people's lives that way. And for me, a big issue is still in the workplace. Although there's there's well being in in the workplace, very often it's a tick box exercise for a lot of a lot of companies, yeah, the companies and yeah. they don't go to the heart of it. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I, you know, for, for me, I, I, I did a lot of talks last year on, on my journey and, and the stigma. So, you know, stigma is a, is a, is a really big thing, I, I, I find. Um, and, you know, you were saying with, you, with your podcast, with, with men in particular, you know, so many men, a lot of my clients are men. And, and I find the reason for that is because so many men still, it's becoming more popular now, but so many men still don't talk about their mental health. Yeah. Um, whereas women will maybe get together, have a coffee, they'll talk about it more. Um, and a lot of my clients seem to be more macho type roles. So like, you know, like my husband, for example, was ex-forces. I've got clients in, in the police service, engineering roles, mechanical roles. And it's a very macho kind of environment where it's almost like, well, get on with it, man up kind of type yeah. attitude. Yeah. And that is totally wrong. Whereas there's nothing wrong in showing um, that, you know, you're struggling a bit. Yeah. And, yeah. and I find that if you can show that you've got, um, you know, if, you, if you're struggling a bit, it's actually a strength, not a weakness. Yeah. 
but it's turning that around and being able to show that you 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 have got you know maybe the odd issue that that you can turn that into a strength and it can empower other people to come forward and by talking about it will help other people talk about it as well yeah. um, and it is starting to improve but the the training needs to start at, at like sort of line management level and then being brought out wider wider teams and it's it's just getting that awareness spread a, a little bit further I think yeah. um, but you know, I, I know I, I now look at my accident as a positive thing, you know, even though at the time it was pretty horrendous. Yeah. I don't think I would have made the changes that I've made if that hadn't happened. It's almost like it had to happen yeah, in order yeah, for me was, to Yeah, it was meant to happen for you to to mm. almost get to where you are now and to help others. Otherwise you may not have ever helped yeah. others. It might have just been about a paycheck or, or money or you know whatever you know. yeah um, and, and I, I mean always, I love I love helping others yeah. and I, always I say love this. helping other people even I was gonna say I always say this that you know mental health doesn't have doesn't point its finger at it doesn't say oh you know it doesn't look at colour it doesn't look at you know someone's height or whatever it, it, it can affect anybody and even if you've got money <laughs> you could be the richest person in the world and you will have you're gonna you, at some point there's going to be something that affects you, um, your mental health and your physical health as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, and I've, I've, I've interviewed people over the past year and a half, two years as well. And everybody has said exactly the same thing, that, you know, extreme stress has had some sort of physical toll as well on their life. That, you know, whether that's been from head to toe psoriasis or to you know something more serious like stroke um and in my own situation as well and, and this, this goes on to sound quite dramatic although i've dealt with it really well now and i've dealt with this through things like mindfulness and um and meditation and i just deal with each day as it comes but in in, in, in the end of july uh, 2019 I got di- diagnosed with uterine cancer and had to have a total abdominal hysterectomy mm. and then quite extreme treatment after and I'm and luckily it's not terminal it's um it was stage three so you know I know I'm going to be okay but when I got my diagnosis and I was sat down having um a consultation with my with my consultant and you know he said although there's no evidence of this he said it's very, very likely that the extreme stress and pressure you've been under over the last few years could have caused this cancer. Um, and, you know, I've read lots of studies and done research on, on this sort of stuff. And although I'm in a good place now, he, he might well be right, because generally I live a pretty healthy and fit lifestyle. Um you know, so I mean, I know we'll never know that. And there'll be people listening going, "Oh, that's a load of rubbish." But the amount of people that I've interviewed who've hit rock bottom, um, and when they've been at their worst, they've come out with you know all this you know bad skin, their hair's fallen yeah, out. Um, you know, they've they've come out with these like fatty lumps all over, or you know, in, in like in my situation, my whole body collapsed on me a few years ago sometimes if you don't look after yourself it can have these real physical implications so that's why you know every day the first thing i do now when i get up in the morning is i always do a meditation 
and it doesn't have it's, it, I don't mean sitting there cross-legged like a bird or humming I just I'm just aware of, of my of myself I'm you know I'm, I'm present I'm there I just focus on my breathing if I get stressed about anything if I'm sat in traffic and you know or a driver is actually I was coming back from from Cardiff last night and it was it was hardly anybody on the road but I had a, a, a typical white van man right up my backside um, on the motorway yeah. and he was scaring me a little bit actually because I you know I couldn't even see his lights because he was that close to the to the back of me yeah. and you do get idiots on the road so I, I just do a very very quick breathing exercise which you can do in a car it takes about 20 seconds so I just did that and it calmed me down and it got me back in control again yeah. Um, otherwise, I knew that before I'd done those sorts of things, I would have been panicking yeah, and I yeah. probably would have had to have pulled over and, and stopped. Yeah. But I didn't need to because I'm now in control. Yeah. And that's and that's mindfulness. That's that's a sign of mindfulness because you, yeah. you, you, you're, you're in a state of mind where you're, you're aware that um, this is happening and how can I control it? How can I control the way I yeah. think about or feel about the situation? Um, so and you know yeah. and and there's something you touched upon earlier, which which um, which was is poignant in a, in a sense because when I want uh, you know I, I don't know if you've seen it, I'm, I'm, uh, you know there's the, the film The Joker, and in that, oh yeah yeah and when in that film there's a part in it where going back to something that you said where there was, she's, he he at once he, he, he's talking to a counsellor. But then later on, he talks, you know, in the, a bit later in the film, he talks, the counsellor's there again. Um, so it's obviously someone that he's been seeing for years and years. And he actually, I think he says something like, you don't actually, you're not, you haven't been listening to me for years and years. You just say yeah. the same thing over and over again. And I've just been coming here and been saying yeah. the same thing over and over again. And that's not to take anything away from counsellors, but it's almost like, like you said, unless you've, and I'm not like I say I'm not discrediting anyone, but unless you've been through something, like you said, you've been through, and I'm noticing this. I'm noticing this a lot on 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 the episodes that people who have been through a lot of things or been through even a little bit of things, they they're able to to understand what it's like for others to 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 have gone through it or or be going through it, um, and they're able to give yeah almost almost sounded you know sounded sound advice in a sense um, and just. Um, acknowledge what the person, the person's thoughts and, 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 and feelings are. I think it's having the empathy and the understanding and being able to resonate. And you know, I mean, all right, I have gone away now and and, and got a number of mental health qualifications because I've needed to for my new yeah, job. Yeah. But I don't think that makes me any better at being empathetic, understanding, and being able to resonate. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and I go back to my, my I, I go back to my job as a lawyer. And I remember one of the last calls I had before I decided to that I had to leave was um, so I mainly did employment law, and I had one lady put through to me one day and. Um, she was put through to me as somebody who, if, if I didn't speak to her straight away, she was going to go and take her own life. Um, and my initial thoughts were, well, you know, we're not the Samaritans. And what am I supposed to say to her? But then I thought, well, if I don't take the call, how will I feel if she does do anything? Um, and I know our calls were recorded, so, you know, they could listen to the call after. Um, 
And this was before I did a suicide prevention course and awareness course and all that sort of stuff. So I was kind of dealing with it, dealing with it a bit blind. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but, you know, she was in a, in a really bad way. You know, she was a, a single mum, three kids, had a part-time job, um, and she had a boss from hell. And her boss was about to basically fire her. And... Um, and she had no idea what she could potentially do. So I, I listened to her and I, I I just gave her some sound advice. But she was talking a lot as well about the future. And I thought, well, somebody who's talking about the future probably isn't likely to be suicidal. It was more of a cry for help. I think she just wanted someone to talk to yeah. um, and someone to sound off. Um and, and I spent about an hour and a half on the phone to her and typical of the, the job I was in, you know, we had a maximum of 20 minutes to, to do our calls. But I thought, you know what, I'm not going to limit this call to 20 minutes because she needs me. She yeah. needs someone to talk to. And that is what I did. I gave her my time and I didn't try and fix her. I didn't try to, um, to cure her or anything, but I did, I did signpost her to the, to the right people because that's what I, I should have done in that situation. Um, and then I passed it on to my to my managers and said, look, you might want to review the call and, and check. I mean, I was criticised for doing, taking too long and being too empathetic with it, which was typical of the employers I worked for at the time. Um, but I know I did the right thing because I listened to her. And it, and it was kind of, you know, that was kind of the crux of me, making me realise I want to deal with people like her. Um, you know, all right, not 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 saying I want to always talk to people who are suicidal because I yeah, don't want yeah. people to feel suicidal. Yeah, yeah. But it's being able to resonate with people, being able to understand people because I've felt like her. I I mean, when I was at one when I was at my worst, and I don't mind admitting this now because I don't feel shame in it. I but I think it's important for people to understand this. That, you know, when I was at my worst, we've got a little beach right at the end of our where I live here in Portishead and call it beach is more of a pebbly rock yeah, yeah. Um, mud slice um, <laughs> and the tide comes in really fast and when I was at my worst about two years ago um, and I felt like a rubbish mum a rubbish wife I was rubbish at my job I was just about to end my, my career and I wasn't sure which direction I was going in and I went and sat on that beach about 10 o'clock at night, half past 10. Um, I'd had a bit to drink as well. And I let the tide wash in over me. And I didn't care. Um, it was freezing cold. I hadn't even noticed. Before I knew it, I had the Coast Guard and police called out, um, rescuing me off the beach. And at that moment in time, I actually did not care. Yeah. Um, but I now realise it was a temporary feeling. Yeah for something that I felt was really desperate. And that is kind of a lot of the time, unfortunately, when people do take their own lives, it is from a temporary feeling that feels permanent at that time. Um, and it does go the wrong way for a lot of people. So this is why talking about it is so helpful. Um, and it shouldn't be made to feel like it's, it's shameful or that you're selfish or anything like that, because that is not what's going through your mind when you're feeling that way. Yeah, definitely, and and you know you know I'm you know I really take my hat off to you for everything that you know you've been through, you know you've been through a hell of a lot, and you know um, you've you've you know you've come out, you know you've you're still your marriage is you know you're still married, you know you're in love, you've got you you know you've got a daughter, um, 
and you've yeah. kind of you've got you you've got your you know like you said there's there's times there's maybe times where there's um, there's gonna be there's, of course there's gonna be dark days there's gonna be days when you're gonna be angry or upset because that's 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 what we're talking about being um, uh, we're all on this as humans we're all we're all mental mentally sort of we're on this mental line of you know some people are in the extreme of one way some people in the, and it's about finding balance and sort of equilibrium yeah. in our lives so in a sense um you you've 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 managed to to come through all that and you're here to tell us your story and then you're also here to to make to so for other people to tell their story and to talk to you and you can guide them in 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 you know in 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 whichever way they they feel um so I, yeah i really take my hat off to you and you know you told me about something curvier which you haven't mentioned um and it was you said you went to a an award and and i know we kind of spoke about it but you know i'd like you to sort of let yeah let people know about this you know you know we're talking about all these things but you know your sense in a sense of achievement and yes we know you've achieved by by overcoming these other hurdles and they've you know you you play place more great importance on them but this 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 thing that you you've you've managed to 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 get and and how was it tell the tell the listeners well yeah so i i did all my training um you know for my new qualifications and everything through a company called future fit training um which have just been brilliant you know they were kind of a, a life changer for me to find them um and as part of your application you had to sort of say why you why you went to them i did mine through like sort of a, a, a video app really um and I never look at myself as being inspirational. I just think, wow, well, okay, I've, I've I had an accident, had a bit of a breakdown, um, and this was all before I got diagnosed as well with cancer in the summer, yeah. um, which I'm on recovery from now. Yeah. And I sent it off to them, and then got invited to an award ceremony in October last year. Um, and first of all, I thought it was a it was um, um, a scam, <laughs> and so I ignored the first message. And then they contacted me and they said, "Oh, you know, I, we we did send you a message to see if you were going to come to this award ceremony in in London." And I was like, "Oh, right, okay." I thought it was a joke, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, which is typical of me because I never think that I'm worthy of, of really anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I went I went along and. Um, and was really shocked to, to see people who I've been inspired by through my life. You know, I'm, I've always been massively into sport, and and you know, I've, I'm in, in my youth. I swam for for my country. Yeah. Um, so to have people in the room like so, Tani Gray Thompson was sat next to me, yeah. um, and she's been a huge um, hero of mine because she's she's Welsh as well. So that was yeah. great. So we, we we were actually talking about the rugby because the World Cup was on at the time. Um, and then Dane Kelly Holmes was giving out the awards. So there were different categories of awards and the, one of them was an Inspirational Achievement Award. Um, and they called my name out when it, when it was won. Um, and I literally just sat there for about 30 seconds. Yeah. Thinking, wow, okay, that's a bit odd. Um, and I was, I, I'm still even now like shocked to think, why did I win that? Because for me, when I was chatting, because we spent all day there and all evening having this like dinner and stuff, and I was chatting to other people, which I thought their their stories and what they've achieved were just inspirational, amazing. You know yeah. what some people have come through to get to be there. Um, 
but you know, as everyone said when they were given out the awards, everyone was a, was a worthy winner. It's just some people stood out over and above other people. Um, so I'm I'm absolutely honoured to have one been invited there, but to have won the award was 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 amazing. And if that's the only award I ever win. Um, well, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, I'm still, as you can probably tell, I'm still a bit gobsmacked and yeah, overwhelmed yeah. by it. Yeah, but also, like I said to you before, that's not the that's not the main award that you've actually won. You've won your life. No, you it's, it's, yeah, you it's for life, me. Your, yes, your family. You know, you know, they would, they would, they would give up everything. You know, they would give up that award. To, to make sure that they were in your life, you know, your husband and your... your. It, your it is. I mean, for, for me, there's, there is still one award to come and the award is to, to get the respects and the to make my parents proud, which yeah. I've not been able to do since I changed my career. Right. Um, my, my parents are, or my dad in particular, um, he's he does not understand why I've changed my career. Right. He's and and this this gets quite upsetting for me and you know it's it's hard because um, you know where uh, I'm almost made to feel like I'm not welcome anymore um, because he doesn't get it he sees me as a disappointment um, to the family now um, on on the basis that why would I throw away a successful career my qualifications I haven't thrown away my qualifications and my career well maybe that side of my career but I'm using everything I've learned my skills to do what I do now and and it comes down to values as well my values are in helping people Um, you know I I probably went into my legal career because my my dad was a lawyer um, and that's why I wanted to make him proud that's why that's why this is this is me yeah that's why I'm telling you now that's why he's he's an he's you know I'm going to say the word annoyed but that's why he's angry with you because you've given up a career that he wanted you to to be in um, and he probably saw you yeah. as seen, in, seen, seen you as following in his footsteps now all of a sudden you're not you're this you're someone who's who's you know almost like a disappointment in a sense because you didn't follow him um, but now you're doing something you know you got you, sh- you know you, you know you should be proud of yourself and I hope he's listening to you know you know I'm not one to 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 um, to sound, I don't know what, what the word is, but I, you know, I hope he's, li- you know, I hope you send this to him and, and he's listening to to your words and how you feel. You know, I know you've probably spoken to it, but if he hears this, if he hears this podcast and and understands that he's he's got somebody there, a daughter that really shouldn't give up on. Um, you've been through so much. You know, you've got a, you know you've got a family. You're not a disappointment. You're not a disappointment to anybody. Um, in fact, you you know you if for, for a lot of people that's going to be listening to this podcast, you 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 know like I say you're 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 uh, like I say a hero a hero heroine, um, somebody who's who's <laughs> who's um who's an inspirer, um, you know and and I hope and I really do hope he, he, he hears this and, and hears your voice and and yeah you know, even your voice could be a cry for help and sort of like saying you know you know Dad I want you to be. Um, I want you to to look at me and sort of you know and, and acknowledge that this is this is me and and um, I'm a success and I'm strong. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? Success means different things to different people. Yes, Some people's success is earning a six-figure sum. Yep. For me, success is about, you know, I, I had a I had a review off a client last week who, you know, she's 69 years old. When she first started coming to see me, she was crippled with anxiety. She could hardly move because she was shaking so much. Um and you know she was putting on weight because she had sciatica and she couldn't walk properly um and within two months she's now hula hooping for over half an hour a day at 69 which i think is amazing um she's back to doing three brisk walks a day so she's up to doing over 10,000 steps a day she's back to her target weight and she feels amazing she feels the best she's ever done in her whole life yeah. that's success to me yeah and i was going to say to you because you touched upon it earlier as well that um, you, you've noticed, you know, before, you know, before we kind of, um, you know, bring this the, the whole the whole episode to a close in a sense. You you touched upon the fact that you you have so many clients and you're finding that now so many of them um, are men. And just to just yeah. to kind of give a brief outline of what you why do you feel that's happening and what would you say to men out there to 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 try and you know, just I'm saying men, but yeah, we all know that women are, are, are taught. You know, like you said, you had, you touched on quite a few times that you had friends, and quite often men say we have friends, but it tends to be mates, because um, friends are people that yeah. you can kind of confide in, or so I say close friends. But we don't have, with men don't tend to have that. Um, we don't tend to have close friends where we confide in. It tends to be mates that we have chats about whatever it is, you know, sports or whatever. Um, what would you? What you know? What? Would, why would you say that? It's happening a lot with men now, and why would and what would you say to people out there about getting help? I think um, you know one of the one of the patterns I've seen with a lot of men is that there's this culture now, especially in a lot of in in a lot of corporate jobs in particular, is there's this always on culture um, where you know, more men are reaching burnout in particular, and I I, I say men more than women because you know. It just seems to be that it's, it's affecting men more. Yeah. That you know they leave the office, um, or you know even if it's like sort of um, you know they're in business, but they're not switching off their technology. So they're coming home and they're working into their social hours. They you know a lot of companies these days are investing in more technology, yeah. um, like sort of laptops and and, and and work phones but they are certainly encouraging people to then use them outside of their work hours and work into their social hours but that's affecting then their family life so it's affecting their time with their with their kids their, their partners wives um, so that's one of the that's one example that I will give um, the other one as well is just not really knowing how to how to switch off so you know, to-do lists going around their heads not sleeping properly so you know i work on i work with people on how to to resolve that um owning owning the mornings you know mornings are really important don't just get up um and just reach straight away for a coffee uh you know hydrate yourself first of all because that first sensation that you feel is is almost thirst so actually have some water refresh yourself men aren't as good and i, I i'm sorry men I, I hate to stereotype here men aren't as good as drinking water as women are no no way um, no more way. women will no <laughs> you know so actually keeping yourself hydrated it keeps you more energized it's actually really it's actually good 
good for your concentration, it's good for your mental health. Yeah. So aim for that two to three litres of water a day. Well. Keep a bottle on your desk. Yeah, it it stop, does, it absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was chatting to a bloke last night who he seems to get his, his exercise, his nutrition, everything right. But he has like nine cups of coffee a day and he has his last one at half past ten at night and he was wondering why he's not sleeping. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, well, I can give you the answer probably straight away. Um, and then, you know, the, the other thing as well, and I think you just hit the nail on the head at the start there, Andy, was that men just aren't as good as talking um, to things like their friends, partners, um, and anybody about their mental health, yeah. as women are. Women will quite often maybe, you know, call up a friend or meet up for a coffee and just talk about stuff. Yeah. Um, and it can be more normal. Whereas for, for men to do it, it just, you know, you'll, men will probably get together now and again. Um, not always on a one-on-one basis it's normally in a group of people and how often if you met up with a group of lads would you then start talking about you know mental health issues i actually did a post this morning um and it was like you know my question was how are you how many people answer that question with i'm fine or i'm busy yeah you know, that's the typical answer these days. Now, what can you do to change that around? But even if somebody, if you were in a group of people, if they answered that question, if you were a bloke, what would you do if somebody answered that question with, I'm fine or I'm busy? Would you then say, oh, mate, do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Whereas a woman probably would say, oh, gosh, okay, well, why? What's going on? Yeah. Well, you know, we, yeah. we're just wired a bit differently. Yeah, and that's true. Um, but it is becoming a bit more normal to talk about it now. So more men are coming out and talking about it and understanding it. And I, I think I've broken through with a few by doing by doing posts on on stuff like this. So you know, I I will I will resonate with men on the basis like you know, you have to give your your car fuel for it to go. You need to give your body and your mind um, food in order for it to, to work properly. Um, you have to exercise your mind. Like you have to give car a good run in order for it to go. So by giving that analogy and stuff, it's it's just recognizing and, and, and making those, those inferences. Yeah. Um, and you need to invest in yourself. Otherwise, it can just completely destroy things and so many marriages break down because of things like burnout and if you don't do something about it right now you know and if you want to stay as you are right now then that's up to you but if you want to change the way that you feel um which you can believe me you can because you don't have to stay this way in a very very short period of time you can turn it around if you really do want to and believe me there are ways that you can turn that around even if you think that there you you know there isn't any time that there isn't any way that you can do it there is always a way that you can that you can do it um and obviously by talking to a professional it's always going to be confidential it's never going to go anywhere else other than that so if you don't feel comfortable talking to a friend or your partner um you know talk to somebody who you know is going to be completely comfortable with yeah and i also and i've said this you know my my, my mantra has been the three t's in the sense of trust time and talk um it could be in yeah you know, it could be in the order of time trust and talk it could be you know but i say trust time and talk um and yeah and uh, you know like i say to you 
you know, I'd like to thank you for coming, you know, coming on and, and talking. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to invite you on to, um, you know, future, ep- you know, future, future episodes to talk about, you know, varying aspects of uh, mental health. And one, one thing I didn't touch upon is yeah, sure. another reason why men, you know, which I won't go into now, is is reason why men don't talk is because we, as men, um, there's almost this thing where, what do they call it? Um, territorial. So there's a, there's a space around yeah. us. There's a space around us. You will hug if you score a goal, or if it's seen. But there's no. There's, we're territorial, so we're always thinking that. Um, not you know, not necessarily me per se, but in a sense, there's there's we're always thinking that 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 next person who wants what we want, what we what we have, or you know, there's a comp- there's a comp- there's a there's a greater competition between. There's so much competition between men, and it and it creates egos and and all these kind of frustrations and anger and all that sort of stuff. So that's something we could touch upon um, on, on another episode of, of, you know, why we as men don't, don't speak. So I'd like to thank yeah. you. I'd like to thank you. And, you know, you've been... No, thank you. No, you know, you've, you've been absolutely, you know, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. And, and you know, like I say, I hope you, your dad's listening and, you know, and, you know, and, and your husband and, and you, you know, your daughter and, and, you know, you've got, you seem to have a you know a lot of things going through there and you've got a you know, family unit um that you, you, you that seems quite strong um and and you've gone through so much so i really applaud you and, and you know i hope i hope your you know your business you know keeps going and takes off um just let people know you know what you know what is your business not in terms of what is your business but the, the where they can find you um the addresses and and, and things like that yeah, yeah, will do. Yeah. No, thank so, you, Andy. So, I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed that. So is your is your business found on social media? Where about some social media can we find you? Yeah, and... so uh, I've, everywhere really. So I'm, I've got my website. Um, so that's there. I'm on Google My Business. I've got. I mainly get most of my clients from LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I'm on Facebook. I've got my own Facebook page. I'm on Twitter. Okay. So yeah, and then I post. I post. Do posts nearly every day. Well, I do do posts every day. Okay. So I do posts on. I've got a couple of groups on Facebook, um, and yeah, LinkedIn. I do posts every day. Okay. So I just keep them current and um, consistent as well. Yeah. Okay. Try not to get on people's nerves. <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't be. And I, like I say, I thank you again, and um, you know, I have you on soon. This was Brilliant. men. Thank you very much. Yep. This was men are nuts. That was men are nuts. And thank you and goodbye. <laughs>